Hey everyone, welcome to Health Addicts. Before we get started though, remember, this show is for entertainment purposes only, meaning I'm not your doctor. So if you have questions about the information and content on this show, ask your doctor, okay? Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Wait, how many carbs am I really supposed to be eating? How much sleep do I actually need? Am I supposed to be even taking vitamins? Guess I better listen to The Health Health Addict Addict Show. Alright everybody, welcome back. I'm your host Tommy J and this is the Health Addict Show and we got a pretty cool episode today because we're going to talk about something that happens quite a bit around the world. It's actually the third leading cause of unintentional death. Can anyone take a guess what we're talking about? I'm pretty sure you probably know just because it's in the title. We're talking about drowning. It's kind of a crazy statistic to think about because the third most reason why people die by accident is being submerged in water. There's over 360,000 cases worldwide every year of people drowning. So it's a pretty significant event that we need to talk about, especially children under five. They're the most likely. And did you know that men are 80% more likely to be the ones that drown? So let's get right into it. What is technically drowning? Drowning is death caused by suffocation when water or another type of liquid fills the lungs and causes death. And remember, folks, drowning is preventable. It is not something that takes your life like cancer or asthma or something that isn't preventable. So it's really good to understand how drowning happens and what we can do to prevent it. So let's go into what happens to your body when you drown. The first thing I want to point out right away, it isn't like the movies. You don't have someone flailing and thrashing around the water yelling, help, help. It isn't what really happens. When people get submerged, Water fills up their airway and you have something called laryngeal spasm. So not only do you have your larynx closing off, you have all this water in the trachea, which is used to having a less dense gas flowing through it. So you have no ability to scream for help anymore. Now remember, our lungs are filled with air and this makes us super buoyant because of it. And without all that air in there now, you have it filled with water. It makes it impossible for us to be as buoyant as we normally are. So now you're sinking and you can't breathe so you have no way to get oxygen in your body. So your body's using another resource to create energy and that's its sugar. So it's using glycolysis, which also makes lactate, which makes us have a lactic acidosis. And you know what happens with that. Your muscles get all sore from it and you're unable to create any more energy. Eventually you'll use up all your oxygen and this is how you become hypoxic. And our body needs oxygen to create energy and to create our muscles working for other metabolic processes to work. And this is very dangerous now. So at the two minute point, usually you lose consciousness. So now the airway relaxes even more. Water floods the rest of the airway that it didn't fill and fills up the lungs all the way. And now we're in a really bad spot. The body is a fighter. So what the first thing it's going to do is direct all blood flow to the main organs it needs to try and keep. And that's your brain and your heart. So now all this blood is being redirected. It's trying to make sure that it preserves the body as best as possible. But unfortunately, you only have 10 minutes. Usually after the 10 minute mark, the body is more likely to become deceased. And that's me trying to be nice and not say that you'll die. But this doesn't mean it's over. There's so many things that we can do before that 10 minute mark. Let's say you find the person, even if they're unconscious, 
There's so many things we can start doing right away. And the very first thing is check for a pulse. Because you want your BLS, you want to make sure that you have circulation, airway, and breathing. And if you have circulation, go ahead and deliver those rescue breaths. You want to make sure you fill up those airways and get the water out as much as possible. Because our biggest issue right now is the airway is filled with water, which makes it impossible for a person to be ventilated. You have all this water covering all those little functional lung cells that we call alveoli that transfer oxygen in and carbon dioxide out. So you have to get that water out. And keep trying the rescue breaths as much as possible until the person either gets the water out or you lose a pulse. If you start losing a pulse, begin CPR. CPR is a huge thing when someone drowns. The biggest problem is it takes a while for paramedics to get to any scenario that you have someone that's unconscious and has no blood pressure or circulation. So if someone can begin CPR, you're going to severely increase the chance of their life being saved. And this goes for all those people who aren't CPR trained. If you feel like you can help, get in there and try to help, especially if, if you're scared about the rescue breaths, just do compressions. If you can just get in there and do some compressions and help and make sure that they're circulating blood, this is going to really increase your chance of survival. I'm telling you, don't worry about the rescue breaths. Do at least the compressions part. And if you're trained, go ahead and do the compressions and the rescue breaths, 30 and 2. Or if you have a partner, you can do more or do ALS standards. But make sure that if you're not savvy, at least get compressions in there to help their heart pump blood around that body. So let's say we have the scenario now that you were able to get them out of the water, you gave them some rescue breaths, they're able to clear all that water out, and now they're conscious and able to breathe and they're saying they're okay. This is great. This is what we want. We want them to be able to get back up and talk and speak because that laryngeal spasm is pretty scary stuff. The airway closing, you want to make sure that it's open. So if they're able to wake up, clear that, and now they're awake, great. But guess what? They still need to go to the hospital. Don't let them try and say they're okay. They definitely need to go to the hospital. Because there's a lot of tests that need to be done after such a critical event. And one of them is they need an EKG because they need to see if there's any hypoxic injury to the heart. And this is a great way to tell if the heart had any damage to it. Because the waveforms that your heart give in electrical activity are great ways for diagnosing how the heart is functioning. Second likely thing they're going to need is maybe even oxygen or if they're still having airway problems, maybe possibly a breathing tube. Because you had all this water going down into the lungs, you're having a very bad VQ mismatch, we call it. And that's ventilation to perfusion. And all this is fancy talk for that oxygen isn't crossing that barrier as well and CO2 isn't getting out of the body. So the tube can give pressure in the lungs or give more oxygen that the person is demanding. And also you have a nice slippery substance called surfactant in your lungs. And this helps decrease the surface tension in your lungs, making it easier to breathe. And if you don't have that surfactant, it makes it incredibly hard to breathe. And this will make your lungs more likely to flash, we call it, or flash pulmonary edema. And the basic science is the lungs are increasing work and the pressure differences inside the lung and outside the lung cause fluid to drift in and fill it up again. And this VQ mismatch we talked before has now increased again. So the breathing tube or oxygen might be necessary. The next thing they're going to need, and more likely than ever, is because water's dirty. It's full of bacteria and nasty viruses and everything else. The person is likely going to need antibiotics because there's a great chance that they might get an infection after it. It also wouldn't be a bad idea to have NeuroCheck because... Your brain's very sensitive without oxygen. It doesn't like it. So if the brain isn't getting oxygen, the cells actually start deteriorating and could die. 
So there is some brain damage that can happen, especially with low oxygen. So it's always good to just get it checked out. And especially after a near drowning experience, it's always good to get a chest x-ray. And this can kind of be a pre and post one. So they'll do a pre one when you come in and then maybe after eight hours, they'll do another post one just to make sure that you're not having changes to your lung fields. But there's an interesting case with certain types of drowning that don't fit the 10 minute mark. And that one is falling through the ice. So let's say that you're ice fishing with your buddies and then all of a sudden the ice underneath you cracks and you go through and it takes a long time to get you back because it's so hard to find someone once they fall through the ice. It could be up to 15 and 20 minutes before they can find your body and they pull you out. And this is kind of interesting because the cold is actually good for you. When the body is cooled, especially in hypoxic incidences like this, it preserves your metabolic function. It's kind of the same reason why after a heart attack, we like to cool the body because by cooling the body, it slows down all the metabolic processes. Your heart rate slows down, your brain activity slows down, all the organ byproducts that we make are slowing down. So there isn't as much metabolic activity, so your body's not making so much acidic properties and isn't as harmful. There has even been studies and other records showing people surviving up to 45 minutes after a drowning incident in the cold weather. So if you're gonna fall or drown, cold weather is way better for you than warm water, but I still would recommend not falling through the ice. Especially since you're out in the cold, your body, when it gets submerged, it really is hard for your metabolic processes to work. So if you're by yourself trying to get it out of the ice, you're become clumsy and stiff and rigid. It's gonna be hard to move. You're gonna be less strong as you normally would be. So make sure you're with somebody if you're out on the ice. So what are some useful ways to help prevent drowning? And the first thing is pretty simple. Just don't swim alone. If you're swimming alone, you're definitely increasing your chances of drowning because no one's gonna be able to pull you out if something happens. Second thing is wear life preservers and wear the correct size life preserver for your body. Because there's definitely sizes to life preservers and if you are out of the weight maximum for that preserver, it's not gonna be buoyant enough for you. So you're increasing your chances of being submerged in the water, especially if something happens. So always have your life preserver and the correct sized one with you, especially little children. Make sure they have theirs on. Next is keep children supervised and make sure that there are barriers and other things around open water that have a higher chance of them falling in like pools. If there's a pool around, there shouldn't be easy access to the pool for these children. There should be barriers to protect them from walking straight into them. And this goes the same thing with boats, especially pontoon boats, how they have open gates. Make sure the gates are closed so that kids aren't just walking straight over the edge. The next thing you do is learn how to swim. Swimming is a great activity. It's a great cardiovascular workout. If done properly, you can burn a lot of calories and it's great for you. Plus, it's low impact on your body. But the next thing you need to also know is know your limits. A dangerous thing is not knowing your limits swimming because if you get tired swimming, you're more likely to be submerged. And as soon as water gets in your airway and you become choking or have that laryngeal spasm attack, it's gonna be really hard to breathe and really hard to swim. So know your limits and make sure you're not getting too tired swimming. Kind of simple, don't get intoxicated and go swimming. But I understand you're on a boat, you're having a good time with friends, and sometimes you like to drink but it isn't a good idea to drink and go swimming because not to mention you're dehydrated, your inability to move and think properly is inhibited. 
so try not to drink and swim at the same time. This one's a really big one because I see it a lot actually. If the ice is less than four inches, do not go on it. You need at least four inches for you to safely walk on ice. And especially road vehicles, they need at least eight. And you should have at least six for even the smaller ones, snowmobiles and UTVs. But you need at least, at least four inches for you to do any kind of walking activity on ice. And then even after that, you should still be checking the ice regularly by making sure you're not walking on cracks and other shady spots in the ice. Another big one is that people don't understand, those inflatable pool toys do not count as life preservers. So if you're playing around with a pool toy that's inflatable, don't depend on that as something that's gonna keep you buoyant and protected from going under. You need a practical and purposeful life preserver for that. So don't count on those inflatable and foam pool toys as your life preserver. Another great thing everyone should do, and I highly recommend it, is learn CPR. If you can provide CPR while paramedics are on call and waiting to get there, like I said, you're gonna increase that chance for that person to survive. So learn CPR, especially if you have kids or other family members that you think would benefit from it. It's a really great idea. Not to mention, it's not just for drowning. You can be out in public and see someone go down and unconscious and unresponsive and no basic life support there's an increased chance of you saving their life. Now, of course, there's arguments for DNR people that are do not resuscitate and things like that, but usually they have a band or something on them, a wristband or a bracelet that says do not resuscitate. But generally speaking, most people wanna live. They wanna survive and CPR is the way to get them there. So if you can learn CPR, that's a bonus for you. And the final thing is a big one, seizure disorders. So the number one unintentional death for people with seizure disorder is drowning. And it's not just in the pools or on the lake or by the ocean. It's in bathtubs too, because they're unable to protect their airway. They get submerged and then they drown. So if you know someone, or if you're someone with seizure disorders, make sure you're on the proper medication and you have your life preserver on and take extra precautions to not be submerged in case of a seizure attack. And just one more thing, another big one is tides. So if you're in the ocean and it's high tide and the waters are really rough, try not to go in. Cause if there's a swell, it could pull you out very, very fast. Or if the waves are really large, it can pull you under even more. So just be careful in these high tides or rough waters or definitely during hurricane season because these oceans can get rough. So what's the biggest takeaways of today? Drowning is very serious, but you want to clear the airway as soon as possible. Make sure they're not more submerged than 10 minutes and get help right away. Okay, folks, that's the biggest one. Get help. Call 911. Get some paramedics and some trained staff to help revive these people. Okay, and make sure that life preservers are near or on a person that needs them. All right, folks, that's it. That's everything I want to talk about on drowning. If you have questions or concerns or anything else you want to even add to the show, hit me up on all the social medias and we can talk about it more there. I appreciate you all for listening. Have a great day and stay addicted to your health. All right. See you, everyone.